You're listening to a 9to5.cc podcast. Hey everyone, just a quick reminder that if you're going to be making any purchases on Amazon.com, Amazon.ca, or Zazzle.com, please go to www.9to5.cc first and click the links in the sidebar or at the bottom of the page to support the site. It makes no difference to you, but it really helps us out a lot. Enjoy the show. Thanks. We's fine, guys. I she can do can this. Do this. Yeah. this is the 9to5 Entertainment System, and we basically talk about movies. Basically. John. So many. We talk about Zack Snyder's Superman, and then we transition into Baz Luhrmann's The Great Gatsby. Sophie? Yeah, we touch on 3D in the movies and a bunch of superhero movies that we like and what's fun and not in them. And then we touch about that last thing. I totally can't do this, guys. Blackface? Blackface in movies and how it's racist. Yeah. I was like, it looked like it was getting away from Sophie for a little while. Yeah, she, she reared it back in. <laughs> yep. And we talk about documentary movies on Netflix, a whole bunch of them, and then a whole bunch of wrestling movies. But I guess also on Netflix. Woo! That was brought to you by Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> and blackface. What? <laughs> I mean, there's more coffee in the coffee. Do you want more coffee? To be fair, John ordered a teeny tiny coffee. Yeah, it's because I already had a liter and a half of coffee at home waiting for you to come pick me up. Jesus. um, And then I figured, like, I only need a little bit more, but now I really do want more coffee. That's definitely... By the way, we pushed back the time, like, an hour. How did you manage to be late for even that? (laughs) Um, That was actually a funny story. (laughs) Uh, This is going to be totally boring. I want to talk about Superman instead. (gasps) Fuck off. Nope. So, Superman was fucking great. Like, you saw Superman. I really, I really don't like Superman. Every Superman comic I've read has either been like, hey, this is like an alternate universe Superman to try and make this stupid character interesting. And then, like, he's kind of boring. Just runs around and punches and things to, real good. To be fair, also, dog, what you're doing is wrong. There's Lola. a dog in the studio today. Guys. Sorry, I'm babysitting a it's dog for a friend. Yeah, I was going to say, the first trailer, though. Yeah. Like, just, to, like, just so listeners are on board, the first yeah. trailer looked... Like it was going to be a boring, dumb Superman movie, where it was like him walking quietly on the road and whatever, yeah. and then like standing in the ocean and shit, and there's all this like ah Enya music, and I was like, do not want. <laughs> that was like, and that was the trailer that yeah. was supposed to get yeah, us yeah, excited yeah. for Superman. But then at like, the end of that, it's like directed by Zack Snyder, so you know there's oh. going to be something to yeah. look at. And, and honestly, like I think Zack, I, I didn't, I didn't see Sucker Punch. I heard awful things about it. I, I'm willing to bet it could have been just fun to go look at pretty yeah, things along yes. each other. That's how the I felt action about scenes it. in this film were fucking the best superhero action scenes I've ever seen. They were so fucking entertaining, riveting, action-packed. Zod was amazing in battle, purely. Yeah. Okay. So I haven't seen it yet, but there was yeah. two casting things that I was excited for. Zod. Zod. Michael, Michael Shannon is Zod. Yeah. And Kevin Costner as Pa Kent. Okay. So Michael Shannon was was like kind of a mixed bag. He had a bunch of scenes where he, he like, you know, he, I don't know, you, you saw the first season of... Um, Boardwalk Empire. Boardwalk Empire that he's in, right? Yeah. So he plays this like very like awkward, stick up his ass kind of like cop. He has that same awkwardness in the film, and so some of his lines that are like sci-fi are kind of blown because it feels like he's delivering them awkward. And I think that's just like how he talks. But there were some where he's just to take a quick sidebar yeah. to that. Have you guys seen the YouTube video where he reads 
that sorority sisters email? No. Because that thing is amazing. That's awesome. That's the one where, like, hey. yeah, we're going to go make fun for the boys. They're yeah, like, yeah. fuck you, you fucking cunts. If you're yeah. boring, get your and, fucking. And he reads it with full gusto. Yeah. Like, he is writing it. It's amazing. And just, like, well, screaming. Yeah. <laughs> well, but I, but I can kind of, I don't know, you, you'll know this better. But, yeah. like, having watched him do the G-Man thing in, uh, in Boardwalk Empire, I would find that maybe, like, he was going for, like, Zod is a fucking alien. Like, he doesn't even speak or hold himself like, the way a human would, you know? More like, than any other Superman thing I've ever seen, ever, this is about aliens. Like, there's, like, 45 minutes of life on Krypton. The main villains are Zod and his, what? like, troop of... 45 minutes? Seriously. Wow. wow. If not more, because the whole film is full of these, like, Superman gets punched really hard and he falls down, and then it, like... It like goes into a five minute flashback sequence or a five minute like other sequence. So not only does that do they have the whole like start on Krypton before everything gets blowed up, but they also have fucking like they find a Kryptonian exploration ship on Earth, and so there's a whole sequence where they're inside of this thing, and then Zod and his cronies show up with their own like j- like um, terraforming equipment. So like everything is about aliens. There's like very very which little. Which is what it should be because like there's nothing on Earth that can really challenge Superman. Totally. And then when <laughs> like... when the Kryptonians show up. And and they're all fucking, they all like show up, they get juiced up by the sun's whatever radiation bullshit. And then it's like Superman. I guess spoilers would be a. It's yeah, not okay. a spoiler, that's canon. It's also the in the. Kryptonians showing up on Earth? That's, it's, that's it's, also, it's in the trailer. It's in the trailers, right? Yeah. Zod shows up with his yeah. cronies. That's like the plot of the movie. He okay. fights off Zod. So, but they show up, and then it's like there are fight scenes that are like Superman, who has no idea how to use his powers properly, and he's not a soldier, fighting Kryptonians, who are these like genetically engineered super soldiers fighting with 75% of Superman's superpowers. So they'll be like, there's this amazing, amazing fight sequence where there's two of these guys. Like, hard there, buddy? Zod's right-hand man, who's this like super evil chick, and this gigantic hulking bruiser Kryptonian. You versus mean Ursa? Sir? Ursa. No, they changed Maybe her name. <gasps> a different name. Heresy! No, she was super badass. But she is, she is a pale... Brunette. Yeah, okay. like wayfish and yeah. super quick. There's there's like shit like they pick up a fucking like locomotive engine and throw it at each other or they like just just to cut to Ursa, you don't yeah. know this, but no. Sophie really for like a good decade modeled herself after Ursa. <laughs> this is well, no lie. You really should see this movie because the chick is a total turbo badass. Okay. And she see. like rips Superman to pieces and he has no idea what he's doing. Did you guys play the the, the superhero the DC versus uh, Mortal Kombat? Briefly, yeah. Briefly? Okay, so you know, I don't know if you've ever, if you remember, but Superman is in that game, and he has, like, like his eye laser shit, where he, like, grabs somebody, and then, like, really closely, eye lasers them to pieces. Yeah. So the eye laser effect in this movie is so goddamn cool. It's like, <laughs> I don't even know how to describe it. It's just the CG they used is perfect. It, like, you can see the glow coming through his skin all the way around his eyes, and shit just melts to pieces under the under the withering horror of this blast. It's like... So good. So, so good. this this stood out a lot more than the last one that came out with uh, oh my God, Kevin was, Spacey. I, did, I didn't see it. I heard it was kind of boring. Do you want to borrow it? Sure. Yeah. Sure. sure. I'll check I'll it out. I'll take it out for you. There's, yeah. there's some scenes in that Superman Returns movie that just just bothered me so much. Because? Yeah, me too. But uh, He has a kid with Lois Lane. Yeah, yeah, that really bothered me. And the kid is five years old. And then at one point in the movie, Lois is being threatened by a thug. Yeah. So the kid hits the thug with a piano and murders him. Ugh. And that was like, that's yay, Lois is safe moment. Like, that's how it was presented. And I was yeah. like, I think I just murdered a dude. Lola. That's a five-year-old murderer. Yeah. I'm terrified. And then they never touched on that. Nope. Yeah. And the whole rest of the movie, he's fighting Lex Luthor. And I'm like, there is a sociopathic yeah. 
superhuman child. <laughs> and Kevin Spacey totally played it, Allergy and Hackman, um, which which was kind of fun. You know, with what was her name, Parker Posey, which yeah, really bothered me the entire entire fucking. Doesn't Parker movie. Posey bother you all the time though? Yeah, and she <laughs> she did not disappoint me there too. So watch House of Yes. Yeah. <laughs> We've spoke about it before, everybody, but everybody needs to watch House of Yes. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Anywho. Superman Returns was, was interesting, but uh, it bothered me a lot, so this one does not... Well, the, the, the one weak part is like that 45-minute sequence on Krypton at the start, where it's, it's like It's slow, okay. and then there's like action sequences involving um, Jor-El flying around on this like four-winged bat monster trying to escape the like General Zod insurrection stuff. And not it, and you're a floating like, green bagel. Everybody, all of you people are going to get blowed up, and I know it's happening, and I don't care to invest myself in any of your characters. He doesn't, he doesn't ride around on a floating green bagel? It is not a floating green bagel. I assume that's a reference to the first film. <laughs> Have you Brando... never seen Superman 1? Yeah, when I was like 11. Yeah. Fucking... Oh, Where Marlon Brando wanted to be represented as a floating green bagel instead of actually being well, on camera. If I was Marlon Brando, I would make all kinds of ludicrous requests <laughs> like that, too. He was paid a million dollars a day. Yep. For Marlon Brando. For five Superman. days or whatever, like... No, they. It was like two days, and they used footage for both movies. Was <laughs> <laughs> expensive fucking footage, but yeah, no. Apparently, he was like, "Why does Jor-El even need to be on camera? Can't it be like a talking suitcase or like a floating bagel? What? Like I could just do the lines, and then there could be something else there floating, and that could be Superman's day." Wow. <laughs> like what the fuck, Marlon Brando? But anyway, if you can get past the like kind of boring exposition sequence at the start, the uh, how long is it? Like two hours. It was pretty. Pretty long. The action sequences at the end were, were like unsurpassed. They were so fucking good. Where where like it was this is, this is the same director that did three hundred, which yeah, was like totally. all action scenes. Yeah, but like th- think about where there was like the like super slow mo bullshit in three hundred that, mm-hmm. that like I think we're all a little bit tired of. Instead of doing that, they did like um, you remember at Firefly where you'd have like long distance shot, everything's kinda shaking and then it like zooms in really close and then does that same kind of like shaky cam kind yeah. of effect that was all over this movie and because like all of the combatants ha- could fucking jump over buildings could punch each other through trains nobody would get hurt if they like yeah. no matter what happened like all of that stuff was just ludicrously over the top and somehow it worked well yeah because I mean like as long as it's like evenly matched I guess right yeah it's totally not like... and let's be fair this ain't Shakespeare right they punch each other and shoot eye lasers a lot <laughs> like that's that's what I'm getting excited about here and I've read good reviews and I was actually pleased with the casting of Kevin Costner so what's your he was, he was okay like he I think the dialogue was was like a like a 5 on 10 the whole way through the movie there was a lot of like like stilted dialogue that didn't really work and certainly um, I don't even know what Superman his actor's name was Henry Cavill Henry Cavill certainly did good from uh, the Tudors Superman oh, does yeah. good Superman did good with Henry his, Cavill did well with his dialogue <laughs> <laughs> Um, um, what was his face? Zod was like 50-50 on them. Kevin Costner, I think, didn't didn't quite get it all. He got really rough dialogue, yeah. and he did the best with what he had. But uh, he was also underused. I yeah. totally I thought he believed. Was... Uh, I, I, when I saw it in a trailer, I was like, Kevin Costner, how's Waterworld going to work into this? And I, I saw no, no, him, no, and he... I was like, you know what? I believe it. Kevin Costner is baseball. You might not understand how important Field that is dreams, to being yeah. Hawk Kent, but Kevin Never Costner saw it. is... Yeah. No, doesn't mean to matter. You don't even have to see Field of Dreams. He is baseball. He did three baseball movies. Okay. <laughs> yeah. He did Field of Dreams, he did Bull Durham, and he did another one. I was like, Tin Cup, but that's nope, that's golf. Tin Cup is golf, yeah. yeah. No, he did another one where he was like a pitcher. Yeah. Uh, I forget right. what it's called. Okay, whatever. Kevin baseball. Costner loves But, but he, he does the, um, oh, what was it, the WB Superman show? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Bull. 
Smallville? Smallville. Thank you. God. Hmm. Kevin Costner is no, in Smallville? He, he, the idea of Pa Kent being not a doddering old man comes oh, from Smallville. Oh, okay, yeah. And I saw Kevin Costner cast as that, as a, like a direct influence. Well, I ain't going to spoil it, but they kind of ruin the character, so oh. I ain't going to say anything. But anyway, I still heartily recommend it. I'm anxious to hear what you have to say about this, given as you're a gigantic comic fan, and I read them only casually. I'm, I'm interested in it. I was going to see it just because Zack Snyder directed it, and yeah. I like his ability to make action movies. Let me know when you go, because I'm so there. Yeah. I saw it in 3D. Yeah. yeah. How was the 3D? Was it worth yeah. it? Yeah, yeah I, all right, I made the exact opposite decision when yeah. I went to go see The Great Gatsby last and? week. Yeah, and I am pretty happy I didn't see it in 3D. I really wanted to see that. How was it? It was awesome. Sarah and I went on a uh, like a date night to, yeah. to go see The Great Gatsby because she just read it. And? And uh, it was, um, like, so, like, there's the two major critiques of it, mm-hmm. I think, are kind of bullshit. Okay. Like, one, the major, major one is that the music is fucking bonkers. Like, they just... Throw out jazz so and kind dubstep, of dubstep, right? No, it's not dubstep. I heard, I heard it, that there was some. There might be a little bit, but it's yeah. it's uh, Jay Z was the musical director, so it's more hip hop. It's a lot of like hip hop with some like jazz swing elements. Sure. To it, like, but like at one point, like they're driving down the highway and like they pass people who are like partying in a car, and it's like H to the Izzo, V to the Izzo, and you're like, that that is not a song that's happening in The Great Gatsby, but yeah. because it's like throughout, and because the movie is like so stylized anyway. It, it, I find it works. Like I don't think yeah. people are like heresy and like whatever. Because it's like when they uh, when they talked to Baz Luhrmann about like the decision to make the music Modern. that way, yeah. he was like, because he's like jazz doesn't mean anything to the modern viewer. Like he's like, there's no, it's not the music of the streets or the music of the like underbelly. Like he's like that. That's not a thing anymore. It's now a classic. Like it's a rich person music. Yeah. So it doesn't make sense that there's these people like. When they get near the underbelly of society, it's like, oh shit, what's this jazz? You'd be like, who cares? So he's like, I made a very pointed, like, he's like, that's more hip-hop now. Like, hip-hop is the music of the underclass. This is the guy who did the Leonardo DiCaprio, Romeo and Juliet, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah which, Moulin Rouge. And... Yeah, and he sw- that's it? Three movies? Or if there was a fourth one that nobody saw. So the, he, he switches out, like, swords for guns. I saw the commitments, that was great. Romeo and Juliet, and mm-hmm. he does the same thing with music, like, it, and it's a modernization. Last, last tango. Totally worked. Last, Last Tango was his first that movie was before uh, Romeo and Juliet and Moulin Rouge. I thought he did another one too. Nope. And Moulin like Rouge was all modern music. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, and even in uh, and the music, the, like the music choice, I mean, obviously Romeo and Juliet was set modern, but the music yeah. choices in Romeo and Juliet were also like hyper modern and yep. stuff. Yep. Like there's like a there's like a, an XX song that like continually plays in the background, like in, during lots of like fucking Gatsby's emo moments and stuff. Yeah. Like, uh, I mean, Gatsby's oh. a person? He's great. It's called wow. The Great Gatsby. It's I thought it was a, a thing or some... I don't know. I've never read or seen or anything. It's like 150 pages. You could really read it in two hours. Okay. Great American Don't look novel. at me like that, Keith. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. I've never seen it, except for, like, parodies referring to it or something. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Uh, but, like, visually fucking amazing. Like, Baz Luhrmann also knows how to fucking shoot a crowd party scene. Like, yeah. the, the parties are, like... You're just like, I want to watch this forever. <laughs> like, just like like doing like that, the super high shots, like panning around the party and like just getting glimpses of stuff. Like, think uh, like that scene in Romeo and Juliet where uh, Mercutio does like the dog. Back up, dog. Her name is Lola. Lola. You're Lola. Cor- foots are me. all over Why the cord. Why are you guys talking to the dog? Because well, because he's pulling my cord out of my Why hand. would you talk to it? He can't speak English. But the dog can understand tones Lola of me being a little bit. Why Tim would you interrupt me. our podcast talking to the dog? Because you know it would be a bigger deal if the fucking cord got unpulled. Good girl. 
Well, Jeez, your cord would have gotten care. unpaused. Yeah, thanks, buddy. <laughs> anyway, fucking very good. Super fun. Um, did The only thing I, I will say is um, kept all the important parts of the storyline. Mm-hmm. Didn't uh, cop out in any way. Like, didn't try to make anybody, like, better. Because, I mean, like, they're all terrible, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Everybody in the Great Gatsby is a terrible person. Like, See, to... that's all I know about it because that's, that's what you say all yeah. the time. Everybody. Up to and including Gatsby, right? Yeah. Like, and... Did it very well. The mm-hmm. a couple of the sub characters got their like got their parts a little bit cut Trimmed, down. Yeah, but, but I mean that's, but, that's like, what happens. But that's know? it. But in yeah. a hundred and fifty page novel, you don't need to trim that much, right? You can yeah. still still pretty much make it work. Sure, I highly recommend it. If highly recommend. Even if you don't, if you, even if you haven't watched the watched the book, mm-hmm. <laughs> even if you haven't read the book, it, it's, I, I don't see why you would have to. It doesn't. Like, you don't need to. Like, if you've read the book, obviously it's cool to see some of the stuff. But yeah, like, yeah. And if you kind of know what you're getting into. It's Baz Luhrmann did The Great Gatsby. Cool. Man, that pumps. Yes. And does not, I don't think needs to be in 3D. I almost wouldn't want it to be in 3D because, uh, like, the colors and stuff like that and the party scenes are so vibrant and sharp mm-hmm. that I think that wearing the tint on the 3D would detract. Yeah, I found, I found Superman actually lost some of, like, the crispness of image. Yeah. And I would have appreciated having that more than I appreciated having, like, Superman jumping out of the screen at me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that, that's it. That's why I was like, I was like, I didn't even understand why the Great Gatsby was in 3D. Well, like, but, okay, but hold on. It really like, depends if if the movie maker's paying attention to 3D or not. Yeah, right? like, like Lerman is all about the image. I could see him like if he really invested in making. Oh, it work I'm sure right, there are. Like, I'm sure there are shots that are fucking badass in 3D. Like just yeah. some of the like the weird like long shots that like snake through the party yeah, and yeah, stuff yeah. like that, and like a lot of the stuff where it keeps doing like this effect where it like goes from. Um, like Daisy's house, like whoosh, like over the bay, over to Gatsby's house, yeah. and like whoosh, and then like down over to Nick Carraway's yeah, cool. little yeah. like sh- it's. There's a lot of stuff that would look really cool in 3D, but it's still the Great Gatsby. It's not a fucking action movie <laughs> or whatever. You know, it's, yeah. like, it's mostly about most high society partying, getting drunk at a party. <laughs> like, but that's what I mean. Like if it looks cool, that's one thing. But yeah. if it's like adds something to it, like the only movie I've seen in 3D that I really liked in 3D, Jackass. Yeah. <laughs> no, actually, I, that wasn't the, the key thing. The, the super slow-mo camera in Jackass was right. more amazing than the 3D in that sure. movie. Yeah. Um, uh, the sequel to Sherlock Holmes, the second one, with uh, Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. There's this one scene where they're running through the woods and they're shooting cannons at them. And the cannons are, like, blowing through trees and there's splinters everywhere. Yeah. And it added this feeling of, like, oh, shit, this is really dangerous. Yeah. yeah. Rather than, oh, well, this looks really cool. You know, yeah. I mean... Uh, I saw Thor in 3D, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's cool, but it didn't it didn't add a new element to the movie. I yeah. think uh, The Hobbit in 3D was worth seeing, and one that blew my mind in 3D was uh, Coraline. Coraline in 3D was another one where yeah. they made visual effects that made you feel like, okay, things are getting weird now, and it was more than just, this looks cool. It also helped probably that I snuck in some rum and... Uh, was quite tipsy by the time it started, so we were like, what? It was amazing. But, like, the 3D, like, Coraline is weirded out when she goes to the new world. Yeah. And the 3D makes you kind of feel awkward and uncomfortable, too. Like yeah. That's another good example of it. <laughs> the Hobbit looked pretty in 3D, but it didn't add another element of emotion to the movie for me. I, I think added a lot to the epicness for me. Like, at least visually, everything is just overwhelming and lush and magical and fucking otherworldly to me, so I think... I, that added I thought Peter that Jackson respect. did that in the first three movies without 3D. Anyways. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, it looked right. really lush and pretty and different. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. <laughs> so, 
I wouldn't mind seeing Gatsby in 3D. I don't know if I would go see it again in the theaters, but, <clears throat> like, I didn't feel I was missing out because, like I said, there's so many vibrant fucking colors and it's so crisp and whatever else that I was... I was like, if I had to watch these through sunglasses in a dark room, I would... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's all like that whole Christopher Nolan thing, being like, "Can I make my images as sharp and as vibrant and and, and be in 3D?" And they're like, "No." And he's like, "Well, then what's of it?" Then Inception yeah. is not in 3D. Yeah. <laughs> he was just like, "That's yeah. not a thing that I'm doing." That's what I didn't like about Thor. I mean, like Asgard is supposed to be this glowing, shiny, yeah, yeah. bright city, and I'm like, uh, "I'm wearing sunglasses kind in of a dark room." <laughs> I was disappointed by Thor, but that's just me. Hmm. And the Thor was that Thor two. Thor 2 isn't out yet. It's not out yet. Yeah, I don't know, man. I I just have not gone to see movies. Like, I was like, Iron Man 3. Uh." Yeah. I went to see Iron Man 3. How was it? I don't remember. Cool. Yep. I thought it was really Did you go see with a boy? I went with... Yes, I went with Scottish boy. And, um... You guys were nuzzling? No, we were watching a movie, and I remember being entertained. But I don't remember the plot? No, I do now. Okay, I had to think about it. It was Mandarin. It was a little racist. That's it. No, it wasn't. (laughs) He's not Asian or Middle Eastern or anything. Yeah, I know, but they make they make it make sense in a movie. So that's racist. Sir ben was also Gandhi, which Gandhi. was also racist. Yep. I don't think it was racist. I, uh, having a British guy play Gandhi, a little bit ironic. Yeah, it's it can be pretty... ironic, but it's not necessarily racist. <laughs> it's like a form of blackface. It totally is. <laughs> uh, it's not quite blackface because he's he's not he's And it's also not. a respectful story. It is. It really is. So. All right, I'm going to put myself in blackface and do a really good, reverent version of Malcolm X. It's going to be fucking weird because you're like, there's a white guy. Is, is blackface inherently racist? A little bit. Why? Yeah. Like, not, not like blackface, like they would do it like ridiculous in the 20s. No, I know, no, no, no. With, with like mockery inherent in it. But if you wanted a white guy to play a black guy and you gave him really good makeup to do it. You uh, mean like, that... like Robert Downey Thunder? Yeah, so, it, thunder it, it, something? Thunder. Yeah, Thank but you. that was done also yeah, as a thunder. joke. Yeah. That was, that also was done hilarious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you did it fully respectfully, like you're not, you're not trying to like exaggerate features. You're just saying, I want a white guy to play a black guy and we have to put makeup on him. That's not inherently racist. You're not saying anything bad about black people. I feel people. that you should find a black actor to do it. And I think especially when it's like an important fucking historical figure. Like, Especially since there are so many fucking black characters out there. Okay. There's like no reason to. Why paint. should a white guy get that job? I mean, why not? What if he's the better actor for their job? Then make the character the color like of Malcolm the actor. <laughs> well, I mean, if you're doing a historical like, thing, then. I don't know. I with the, with the availability of CG, there's like no reason. Like you could have a woman play a male character; it would be no problem at all, and it's not necessarily sexist. My day has come. Kate Blanchett in the. Bob Dylan movie. Yeah. Although I thought she was clearly a woman. There's a Bob Dylan movie? Yeah. yeah. Uh, where ten actors play him. Really? Yeah, but it's not, yeah. Is it good? No. Oh. Yeah. Damn it, that sounds really it's interesting. interesting. Yeah. It's interesting. It's yeah. interesting. I was like, because like, saying it's bad is also not really true. <laughs> but then we get into the talk of having black actors play white characters. Like, Why? like Michael, Clark Duncan, <laughs> Michael Clark Duncan plays a kingpin, and Sam Jackson plays Nick Fury. And yeah, but they kept them black. They didn't put them in whiteface. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't like they put Michael Clark Duncan Look, painted him white. When you say blackface, you're referring to like a particular type of makeup, yes. right? You're not referring to just like... Yes, okay. That's fair. Like, I'm not talking about the googly eyes. And, oh, what, I'm yeah, saying, what I'm saying is that when Keith plays Malcolm X, yeah. no makeup. I could just play white Malcolm X. Yeah, that would be... That is not racist. <laughs> anyway. You saw some movies too, right, Scott? Uh, yeah, because I have a new baby. I don't get out of the house to see movies anymore. So I got Netflix and I've been watching 
Hey! Oh, Scott got Netflix! Yay! Welcome to the year 2005. <laughs> it only took 40 podcasts of us telling you to get Netflix. Yeah, I didn't get it because of you guys. Asshole. Anyway, are you enjoying your Netflix experience? I'm enjoying Netflix. I, I canceled my cable television. Well done! upped my internet bandwidth because we live in Canada. Yeah. Yep. The third world of internet experience. Right. <laughs> Is it really? Yeah, we yeah. have some of the worst internet in the world. Certainly the worst in the first world. Huh. In terms of, like, we're the only, like, country that doesn't Costumes. have unlimited internet. That's, yeah, we like, certainly don't. Yeah. That's affordable. That's yeah. affordable. Yeah, I was, like, uh, on the, on just sub point on internet, I was, like, woo, like, Uncharted 3 with all the DLC is on PlayStation gigs. Plus. 40 gigs. I'm, like, nope. It's <laughs> just, like, I have 100 gigs of, that I get that I use almost close to every month. And I'm, like, sorry, Uncharted 3, not downloading you today. Yep. Fuck okay. off. 40 gigs on a single download. I don't so know I, I have my internet plan. Yeah. To be able to watch this, especially with Marissa, my wife at home, watching all yeah. day. Watching all the shows? All the shows. Okay. Right. She's breastfeeding and right. you know, sitting on the chair with the kid. You just keep it watching. And yeah, we're up at 125 gigs a month Ooh. and we're, we're right up at it. Really? <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Goodness. I go through 250 a month <gasps> on Netflix. Easily, yeah. yeah, Netflix and, and torrenting and whatever else. And you, yeah, but you also... also I, have, I pay for the unlimited, so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you also... You, Fucking, you just stream law matches daily. Daily, <laughs> and for like easily 12 or 14 hours a day, I'm streaming high def video. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anywho, what documentaries? So, what's up on <laughs> so, so, yeah, my wife goes to bed at like uh, 10, 11, and I stay up with the kid just, just to watch him because if he gets fussy, that way she doesn't have to get up and deal with it. I can just, you know, change his diaper, soothe him and stuff. So, she can just get some uninterrupted sleep right. for a few hours every night. And I get to stay up and watch whatever the hell I want. And I've been watching documentaries lately. I watched a whole bunch of them this week. So I you watched. A list. Yeah, I wrote it down because I watched Dogtown and Z Boys, and then The Bones Brigade back to back. I never, I never got around to Bones Brigade. I don't know what either of those things. Are. Uh, Dogtown and Z Boys is about the '70s uh, Santa Monica Venice Beach crew run by Zephyr Surf, who then turned to Zephyr Skateboarding as skateboarding came back. Huh. And there's all these kids who live the invention in this... of modern skateboarding, basically. Basically, yeah. Yeah, yeah. All these kids who were like surf bums, and they live in this terrible neighborhood, who surf and skate and fuck around all day. It's uh, Tony, Stacey... Tony Alba, Stacy, Stacy Peralta, and then the other Jay. one, and the fucked up one. <laughs> the fucked up one ends up in prison. Yeah. They do do the interviews for him when he's in state correctional. Huh. Um. And it's directed by Stacey Peralta, who was an original member of the skate crew. Like this long, blonde-haired kid. And they talk about, you know, just forming this group and hitting their first competition together and just destroying everything. Like, just show up and everyone is doing these little hokey 50s-styles tricks. And these guys come around and they're zipping around because they're all surfers and they're all bent so low on the boards and doing things that nobody had ever seen before. Awesome. Yeah. And they freak out. And then as soon as they finish that competition, all the sponsors raid them and pick apart the whole team. And they're gone. And that's it. It's over. Wow. Because each skateboard company is like, yes, I want one of those boys. Here is a whole bunch of money that you won't know how to deal with. And you yeah, will sell my boards. Yeah, exactly. Well, and like Tony, Tony Alva was the one who like bought in. Tony Alva or Alva? Alva. Alva. Tony Alva was the one who like 
was like, and like on television and fucking yeah. like covered in stickers like instantly and whatever. <laughs> he was like the party bad boy. Yeah. Stacy was somewhere in the middle and then... No, Stacy was like the clean cut one. He was no, 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 but no, no, like... in terms of the sponsorship deal and there's the other guy yeah. who wanted nothing to do with it who ended up in State Correctional. Yeah. So, <laughs> like... yeah. Uh, Stacy Peralta ended up being like the guy on the, the Today Show and who makes a he cameo. Like, he was and... like the Tony Hawk of yeah. the time. Yeah. He makes a cameo in Charlie's Angels and he's like, hey, look, skateboarding. Yeah, he's right. that kid. But he goes on to be a filmmaker and he directed Dogtown and Z-Boys. Yeah. There was, they made a Hollywood adaptation of it called Lords of Dogtown. Yeah. With Heath Ledger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Haven't watched it yet. It's not on Netflix. Yeah. I think and I that it. kid that I, whose name escapes me now. There's also a very brief cameo. Emile Hirsch. Emile Hirsch. Ugh. <laughs> There's a very brief cameo by uh, Mitch Hedberg. Cool. He, he sells them uh, like the urethane wheels. He's like, they stick to the ground, man. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone's like, yeah. They, like, they get all excited about the new wheels. <laughs> Stacy Peralta then leaves the team, partners up with another guy, uh, Steve Powell, and they form Powell Peralta, this big skateboard manufacturing. This guy was like an AutoCAD mm-hmm. engineer dude. So he made the boards and the trucks and stuff and Stacy Peralta was the, the like, face, the face of the company, the the guy who had the skills to back up selling them. Right. So that's how Dogtown and Z Boys ends up. They just everyone kind of splits up, and they're like, "It was great, it was crazy. I went to jail, blah blah blah." <laughs> sure. Stacy Peralta, then working for Powell Peralta in the '80s, builds his own skate team, and he's takes that experience from the the Z Boys to build like a real team that would stick together and he builds the Bones Brigade which is guys like Tony Hawk hmm. and Mike McGill and uh, Steve Caballero so all these guys that are like really really influential in, and uh, Rodney Mullen is the other one I don't know the street skater okay. so he builds this team up and these kids are all I think the oldest one is 14 at the time and he picks them up from over, all over the country and like flies them in to be a team for a competition. It doesn't end how you'd think. <laughs> he goes around, picks up his... 14-year-old boys. Um, makes them really rich and popular. And the exact opposite happens. They are all the most clean-cut kids. They never do drugs. Still buddies. Still friends. <laughs> like yeah. In 2013. Like... Um, and then totally revolutionizes skateboarding again with this team. Right. So Mike McGill is the first skater to do the Mick twist. So leaving the that's why there's the Mick there. Yeah, yeah. Leaving the the ramp and doing uh, like a backflip with a twist. Huh. No one had ever done that before. He saw some guy on roller skates do it in Europe and was like, "Yeah, I can do that on a skateboard." <laughs> uh, Steve Caballero was the first person to do uh, an ollie 360. Right. So like leaving the the ramp without touching the board and doing a 360. Uh, Tony Hawk, everyone knows who Tony Hawk is. Yeah. Uh, First 900. Also. Ro- Rodney Mullen lost. Invented street skating? Invented street skating. <laughs> they, he showed up for his first street skating event with uh, the Bones Brigade. Won so easily that everyone else was confused as to what he did. Like He was using the sides of his board. He, he invented the kickflip. He invented the flat ground ollie. He invented like all these things that you see people doing, doing normally now, now yeah. didn't exist before he started doing them. Awesome uh, rail slides and side of the board slides and I think he was the first one to do a frontside manual too or something like that. Like because like no the manuals they were doing a no, but lot. the front one no the the, sk- the surfer dudes were doing the surfer that, dudes the, did the manuals okay. doing like hang tags that was and that stuff. was previously right. yeah. 
Like, street Rodney skating Mullen... used to just be like people doing handstands on the board and that's it. And then so Rodney like, Mullen was like, Dew! So all these guys were doing ramp stuff and they were like exchanging first place and second place. Like Tony Hawk wasn't winning all the time. Right. Rodney Mullen lost one competition, which was his very last competition in street skating, which was the day his father told him he wasn't allowed to skateboard anymore because he was ruining <laughs> his life. What? So he's like, this is it. This is your last competition. And he went there and he finished second because his head was all screwed up. Brutal. Um, he, and he never did another competition. After that, he just did like exhibition and, yeah. and videos and stuff. And Stacy Peralta is their coach. Yeah. It. So he's like the guy that takes them around. And all these guys become super famous and super rich and totally clean mm-hmm. the whole way through it. And it's kind of like, oh, that's yeah, heartwarming. That's nice. Yeah. <laughs> and they do all this ridiculous stuff and they do videos and they do like these tricks and stuff that basically say to everyone else, like, this is the thing you want to do. Go go do this. Go get a skateboard. and yeah. And skate and it's really cool and really awesome i really enjoyed it so those two you're like waiting for the other shoe to drop and you're like when does one get addicted to drugs and yeah it like, never I, happens i really want stacy peralta to do one about the 90s where it's like everything bam x <laughs> x games and, and jackass right really, like, like those two slamming in together yeah and with like fucking like drunks like chad muska and like whatever else like that and like mike valilia was a member of the bones brigade before he went he was like, fuck this, I want to fight. So like, they have, they have Mike Vallely there, and they have Tony Hawk there, and I don't think it would be a super difficult leap to get into Jackass from those two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I think that would be really cool, because all the guys in Jackass skateboard, too, and that has their own Oh, yeah, well, almost, well, not, not all of them, but at least a couple of them. Like uh... Bam's a big skater. Uh, Johnny can skate. The, the other one. Who's the other one? Dave England. Dave, Dave England England's is a big like, snowboarder. Yeah, exactly. And and, and can skate. And yeah, that like, translates really well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and it's like, and it's very, like, they're not quite good enough to be, like, comp- like, they're good enough to be in a competition, they're not good enough to win. Like, just about, like, Bam and Dave England and all that stuff, yeah. so, that's... But, again, with an impact on the public. Yeah, exactly. Like a big, oh, yeah, skateboarding, cool. Yeah. Okay, would you recommend these things? I'd totally recommend those two. Those were the, the two best narratives I'd seen. In all the documentaries. I want to see Stacey Peralta direct a film about the Ninja Turtles' impact on skateboarding. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. He he talks about directing the Bones Brigade's videos, and there's one of them called The Search for Animal Chin. He was like, man, I don't even... We have to talk about this, and I'm making this documentary, but I don't want to talk about it. It's so bad. (laughs) What? It's it's like... Racist? No, it's like (laughs) Power Rangers. It's like, look at this giant stone skateboard on the beach. It must be ancient. There's Chinese writing on it. <gasps> we have to find the ancient skateboard master. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> that sounds amazing. <laughs> uh, one of the guys who was in it was like, I don't want to talk about it because it's so homoerotic. Oh my god. <laughs> and there's like a scene of like the five kids hanging out in their hotel room, lying down on their beds, practi- practicing like aerial positions. Like, just, <laughs> they're just they're legs, up, legs up in the air. <laughs> just. I need to see and this. they're all wearing 80s short shorts yeah. and high socks, and it's just really... Holy crap. Yeah. Awkward. Yeah, it was really awkward. And, Did and you find the whole version of it? You should get that on the internet. Just watch the whole film. Well, at the very end of the Bones Brigade, at, at the end of the credits, it says, also, go to animalchin.com. <laughs> and I typed it in, and then a whole bunch of images popped up, and I'm like, wow. I'm just going to log off now. <laughs> 
I don't know how far I want to delve into this. Into animal chain. <laughs> awesome. Interesting. Um, the other one that you told me about that sounded really cool was the, the actor one. Yeah, that guy who's in that thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I watched a, another documentary called That Guy Who's in That Thing. 16 actors who are all character actors, journeyman actors. Um, Example? Uh, the guy that played Weir's Bosky in Aliens, the big heavy machine gunner who gets shot by acid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Vasquez is all pissed off. That yeah. guy. Basically Carl Weathers. Yeah. So Until... a bunch of guys that you recognize, <laughs> but you have no idea what their uh, names are. Who, uh, the guy that was the most recognizable was Paul Gilfoyle, the cop from CSI. Like okay. the short, fat, older guy, yeah, yeah, big yeah. nose. Okay. He was the most recognizable about right. of them. But all the other guys, you're like, yeah, I know that guy. I saw him in that thing. He's, he was in, yeah, he was on that TV show once. Isn't like, that yeah. the guy from Basically the like thing? Danny Trejo if Robert Rodriguez didn't take a shine. Catapult him to, yeah. You know, it's like, because yeah. like, think about it, if, there, if it wasn't for Robert Rodriguez. You Danny just, Trejo is just that angry Mexican. And that yeah. gets killed all the fucking time. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just awesome doing there's, it. There's 16 of them and you will recognize 15 of them completely. And the last guy, you're like, well, I, I never watched that show. Mm. You know? Whatever he was, he was like a regular on a TV series for four years, and you're like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and they talk about just it's not easy being an actor, and they talk about the Screen Actors Guild. Mm-hmm. There's 240,000 members, and at any one day, it's point zero two percent that are working. Holy shit! And all wow. of these people are paying dues, right? Like it's just there's so many people Ooh. out there, <laughs> and. It's like a good it's, racket, screen yeah. actors. Uh, who else? Bruce Davidson is in it. He's the guy who played Senator Kelly in the X Men movies. Oh, he's that the other guy. guy I yeah, he's, a, he's around yeah. a lot too. Yeah, but but also not right. Like yeah. he's not. Yeah. He never gets a lead. Never yeah. gets a. Yeah. Yeah. So these are all guys who are like you know, we're in the business of making movies, and it's our job, and like people don't always realize that it's not. You can't just make a movie with George Clooney. No. Like there's all these other people that have to be in it to make like, a oh, film. George Clooney, he probably could. People would go see that, like George Clooney plays himself and the villain and all the supporting cast. I suppose. Like uh, Will Shatner. Yeah. Julius Caesar playing all the roles. Yeah. And it's musical. Has anyone seen any of the X-Men stuff being shot around? I've heard about it. Yeah, yeah. I, I haven't like actually seen any of it happening, but I've seen like the, the like cars and the trucks and whatever. Yeah, yeah. I've yeah. heard about it. Yeah, it's the next Days of Future Past movie. Yeah. 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 So who told me about X-Men this? X-Men First Class 2, Days of the Future Past. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're using both casts. Yeah. Yeah. And it's uh, back in the hands of Brian Singer. Was yeah. it you who told me this on Probably. Thursday? Yeah. Was that great picture he... of the actors wearing Habs jerseys at a game? How did he patch up after having pissed off, was it Fox so bad? Mm-hmm. Probably because X-Men 3 and fucking Wolverine were fucking Such universally trash. penned, and he was like, when was the last good X-Men movie? Was first it mine? Yeah. By me? First Class was good. Yeah, but it wasn't. Yeah. Okay, but I liked First Class. I liked First Class a lot, too. Yeah. The special effects were a little little budge, I found. Like, no, strangely. Fine. Com- compare them even to X-Men 3, and you're like, I, there's, it's inexplicable, the fact that it doesn't even have the same caliber of special effects. It's it had to be budget. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, like it's no, it's just I mean I, I guess it's quite explainable that there wasn't the same budget but I think that it had a smaller budget because the last two movies were panned so much that they had to do an X-Men movie with less budget because they weren't going to all in. To kind of reprove themselves. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They weren't going all in on the franchise anymore because yeah. like uh, that's understandable. I'm sure I'm sure that's how we patched it up. Hey guys, I can make you millions of dollars again. Yeah. yeah. Just I guess that'll, that'll, yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> just like his name being attached to it and it ends like like Everyone's like, X-Men 2 was awesome, and so was X-Men 1. Then it was downhill and shitty. 
yeah. Ian McKellen and Patrick Stewart were like, yeah, yeah, we like that Brent Singer guy. We'll be back. So that, yeah. that Sweet. And uh, what's his name? Michael Fassbender yeah. as Magneto? No, yeah. Lola. Young Magneto. Yeah, young Magneto. Yeah. James he was McElroy. good, man. He's yeah. very good. I yeah. like that actor. Plus, yeah. he's kind of hot, so I'm okay with that. Hot. He's a bit skinny, but he's all right. Oh, okay. So, yeah, that, that guy who was in that thing. And the, the hysterical part was like an hour into it. They, they cut to one guy, and they're talking about all the stuff they'd done. And he was like, yeah, Star Trek. You do Star Trek. And then they cut to all 16 of them going, yep, did an episode of Star Trek. Star Trek. <laughs> Star Trek. And they cut with the little pictures of them and all the makeup. Yeah. And I played a Ferengi. All the makeup on and all of this and all of that. Mm-hmm. Keith, you want to yell at the dog or answer your phone I again? I didn't answer my <laughs> phone. Uh, it was like a funny little moment where yeah. like, if you're looking for one day of work, you just go to Star Trek. Trek. Go to Star Trek and they hand you a red shirt and you're like, uh-oh. Here yeah. we go. <laughs> and like one guy's like, yeah, I was on Star Trek three times. This alien, this alien, and I played this admiral who comes in and gets killed. Mm-hmm. It's just, it was a cool little moment. And Wait, well, they, they talk about like, you have to save money if you're an actor like us. Because yeah. then you get no work. Yeah. And it just stops. That's harsh. Well, that, yeah, that was uh, like similar side of the same coin whatever was uh this is a new thing with david cross and david cross was talking about like he's like yeah i signed on for three smurf movies <laughs> like he was like <laughs> they what? pay the bills he's like what i do doesn't fucking get paid that much he's like like the indie comedy stuff like that he's like it's good money it's not live forever money yeah he's like i missed a show we did we broke even on mr show he's like everybody's like yeah you're on mr show and that's awesome and he's like recognition doesn't pay bills yeah. <laughs> he's like he's like and he's like I like to think I'm a recognizable actor or whatever but he's like for most of my career I made more money with stand up than I ever mm-hmm. did acting cuz he's like whenever you do those cool art house movies and whatever you get paid scale you don't get paid like the money that your name comes in because those are that's how art projects get done is they stay under budget by yeah like paying scale and stuff like that and he was like my agent like floated me like an absurd amount of money to be like you have to sign on for three Smurfs movies and I was like okay <laughs> I'm gonna be the guy who does three Smurf movies. He's like, it's, <laughs> he's like, it's selling out, but he's like, it's financial stability for the rest of my life. Because he's like, nobody, nobody has that. He's like, yeah. other than the like the ten A-listers, you know. He's like, nobody in Hollywood has a like is making enough money to support themselves forever, except for those the top twenty. Yeah, exactly. Except yeah. for the top yeah. guys. So and like and, and I mean these guys, I'm sure are making like way less money than David Cross. But even he was like, he's like, I had n- at no point in my career. Until I did the Smurfs, which was like a couple of years ago, had enough money to like be set for life. Speaking of David Cross, I wonder how um, Arrested Development is doing. Like, if we're ever going to see the numbers of how successful it has been for Netflix. I haven't started watching it yet. I re- I wanted to rewatch the series because I watched it like three three years ago, so yeah. it's a bit vague for me. And there's so much reference and stuff. Netflix, oh, yeah. Netflix stock took a dive the first week it was out. Really? Yeah. There, I read a report on that saying that. Critical reviews affected the stock, which was really interesting and unique in an internet company. Hmm. Because, partly because people are aware that you can get Netflix for one month for free. Yep. Everywhere. Mm-hmm. And they were, because the critics were so harsh on the, the season saying, yeah, it was good, that the investors were not convinced that. They hit all the new clients they had taken on in their signups we're going to stay. We're going to translate into financial gains for the company. Wow. Okay. One thing I will say for it is that I think that a lot of the critics were overly harsh, 
and I don't think a lot of the critics watched the whole season. Did you watch the whole season? I yeah. am not watched the whole season, but it definitely takes an upswing at around episode four to five. Like the yeah. first couple episodes are yeah. really laying the groundwork, yeah. and then it's and like the last like three or four episodes. I think I'm on eight or nine. Like the last three or four episodes in a row have been on an upswing of like they're all funny because like some of the stuff that didn't make sense in the first couple episodes is now like coming full circle and you're like ah like which that, is like having finished it that's what the whole season is about is about like putting a situation making elements of it not make sense and then only getting the joke episodes later when you start plugging it together and well, you, so you, you can even you tell have to pay attention yeah and you can you even tell to that they're building towards happened. the trial and stuff like that like you can yeah. tell right away like they even keep cutting back and they're like and that's why. He wasn't there at the trial, you know, and right. it's like you tell you can tell they're building towards stuff, but then they keep like layering back on. I found that's one thing. My only for real critique is I find it strange where they jump around the timeline. It's not always evident if this is happening in the present, if it's happening yeah. at some point in between the like the season finale yeah. and the other they're, time, or right after the season finale. Like. It's kind of it's kind of crazy. I've never had to like think about how to watch a show as much as I had watching this because because <laughs> like normally I put a TV show on and I play video games at the same time and it's like sufficient. You can't do that with you this. You can't do that with this. Like you you have to anchor yourself by a number of events that most of the characters are at, like at, when they all get arrested at the trial at the whatever. Like yeah, the, the family meeting. Yeah, like, at the yeah. family meeting. So like there's a bunch of like together scenes and then every time you're watching a scene you have to like figure out where you are in the timeline towards that and then like half of the cuts something weird happens and then it cuts to something else and that something weird happening only gets explained five episodes later and then, exactly. and, or, or like the callback jokes about ostriches that like as far as I can tell there's a single line in the original series in, in season one where they're talking about Lindsay Bluth and she's like we got to save the wetlands or whatever. And they're like, oh, it's ostriches. And she's like, oh, I don't really care for ostriches. And then this whole season is about her having to care for ostriches. And I don't even know if there's more, there's more to the joke than a single line in the Not first just season. that, but what's the, the, the guy with the glasses, the tall guy, the simple brother? Buster. 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 Uh, in one of the seasons when he loses his chair that's shaped like a hand yeah. and it gets stolen there, or, or it goes away and he's like, I never thought I would miss a hand so much. There, there are literally dozens of those. That's like a whole <laughs> season or two before or whatever, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's so much meta humor. Like the episode uh. I just watched was the Ron Howard yeah. episode. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's so good. When Barry Zuckercorn tells Michael... Yeah. Do you want me to tell Ron Howard to go fuck himself? Because I will tell him to go fuck himself. <laughs> it's so meta because it's the Fonzie in Ron Howard. Yeah. And you're just like, this is funny on a level I can't laugh at right plus, now because I'm going to miss the next couple of plus lines. Plus Bob Blah Blah, right? Being Bob Scott, Blah Blah. Yeah, Scott, Scott Bio, who replaced the Fonzie, who's the replacement lawyer, whatever. Like, like all that shit. It, I it, can't reach the, the doorknob. I just can't get a hold of the chachi. Yeah. I just, um... <laughs> Yeah. Um, I feel like I watched it through once, like on on the secondary screen, and then I felt like I wasn't getting jokes. So I went back and started watching it again, and it, like it's something you can watch three or four times, and you'll yeah, probably really keep getting uprocks. dot com has uh, a gut viewers guide that has like the, the timeline. I saw no, a timeline that was episode like, to yeah. episode and why everything is important in wow. that episode and all the little things that you didn't see, yeah. like the the Ron Howard offices if you yeah. look really closely above his door there's a, a big wooden carving of a ball cap <laughs> and above his partner's door it's the hair that's sticking straight up it's like these little tiny things that just flash by on the screen yeah you know the little posters in the background maybe his movies gangy for the facelift right. <laughs> uh, ready for development and the other pile that's not quite yet ready for development yeah just <laughs> okay. really uh, really hysterical stuff but it. you gotta like but like i said i think <laughs> that the critics I think, like, I really feel what happened is, is that all the episodes came out on Sunday, 
people watch four episodes. Critiques yeah. had to be in by Monday because that's when people were like googling like is Arrested Development the season yeah. good? I don't think a lot of critics sat down and watched seven and a half. Most hours people just it. watch four episodes to judge a series, anyways, which is exactly probably which, working against it. <coughs> yeah, yeah. But, but that, to be fair, in the critics, that first episode was not very good. Nope. Oh really? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, right. I haven't started. Like I said, I need to rewatch all of it. There were some cringe, stu- cringe-worthy moments that didn't really pay off too yeah. much. Yeah. And like it really was just just a straight narrative telling a story. Yeah. 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 So yeah, like I said I, I understand a little bit why it got panned, but I don't think it was fully fair to the series. I think it was fair to pan the first couple episodes. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. Cool. Uh, next documentary I watched. This one I, I we can go out on because the ninety S the movies. Yeah. yeah. The movies. Uh, this film is not yet rated. Uh huh. If you want a good documentary that's also very Netflix because Netflix was one of the producers of this movie right and that I found out in the end credits and I wish I'd kind of known it at the start sure um, it's a movie directly criticizing the MPAA and the system they use to rate movies yeah um, watch it if you're interested in movie production and in giant corporations Give me an example of something crazy that happens. Okay, so the MPAA is a group of people that rate... One of the things they do is they rate movies. Right. So if you see a movie that's rated R, it's these people that have decided it. Mm. If you see a movie that's rated NC-17, it's these people that have decided it. And all the edits that go back to studios are... No, you're hanging too much dong in this. You can't... Whatever. MPAA is funded by seven movie studios. So they get all of their money from Sony, Warner Brothers, uh, Disney, uh, Universal, Paramount. So, for example, one of the the things that they talk about is um, they talk to Trey Parker. Mm -hmm. And he's like, we did Orgasmo and we got an NC-17 rating, which means that like 60% of the theaters in the United won't States show won't show it. Because yeah. yeah. NC-17 used to be rated X. Yeah. It's an X-rated movie. And they... Orgasmo he, wasn't that bad. Oh, it was... There's a lot of tits, man. Dude. Overall sexual content. And, uh, yeah. The whole thing is about porn and there's nudity in tons of shots. Yeah. And but, even the shots that don't have... How is that worse than sex. rated R? Hmm. Right? Well, I don't think it is. I think it... Well, hmm. we were from Quebec and it was rated R in Quebec. Right. <laughs> so he asked for notes and they say, we're not going to give you notes. Uh, you have to. You feel free to resubmit a cut of the movie, but right now the only thing we'll tell you is the overall tone of the movie was overly sexual. Right. So he's like, "Oh, okay." Yeah. Now, basically, getting an NC-17 means you're going to lose sixty to seventy percent of your possible revenue. Right. Right. Just it's going to happen. You're not going to get shown in those theaters in Wichita that have two screens because simply not going to happen. They're not going to yeah, do exactly. it. And then he did uh, South Park. And he submitted the movie, and they got an NC-17. Yeah. And he's like, okay, so this was a movie we did for Paramount, and I asked for notes, and they sent me back three pages of notes saying, this minutes, scene, this, this scene, scene, this scene, this scene, this needs to change, this needs to change, this needs to change. Yeah. And he's like, I'm convinced. It's because Orgasmo was an independent movie, and South Park was Paramount. Sure. And they wanted to help us out. Hola. The documentary basically talks about this group of six or seven people who are on the ratings board yeah. who are completely anonymous. And the MPA won't release their names and won't tell you who they are. They just say they're a group of parents who have children wow. who do all these movies. So if you want to appeal or if you want more details to it, they can just say no. Crazy. Uh, that's Did they, wow. they talk about Rob Zombie at all? No. 
Because the, the Rob Zombie fucking Devil's Rejects thing is, like, is legendary. Where they were, like, notes, and he would, like, cut what they said and then put something else in. And then, like, send it back. And being like, okay, so I took out the decapitation. And then they're like, now there's a grisly rape! And then they're like, okay, <laughs> like, I took out the grisly rape. And it's like, now someone's being eviscerated! But, like, he kept, like, every time he was just, like, fucking with them. Which is one of the reasons why Devil's Rejects got, like, a way limited release. Because he was like, I don't want to tone anything down. But, like, right. it was still, he had, like, it was associated enough with the... Like <clears throat> with the studio that he had to like listen to notes, but he kept like reinserting equally bad things, and like apparently it was just like a fucking like yeah, and ratings nightmare because he was like, "Fuck this! I'm making a movie called The Devil's Rejects. I want it to be like completely fucking, gory, completely gory, and over the top, top crazy. Yeah. Like, why am I? The like, final I don't... cut was still pretty, it's still pretty, pretty fucked crazy, up. Yeah, yeah. exactly. What was it. the name of the guy who played the big uh, clown dude? He's great. He's in all kinds uh, of. Tim I Curry. met him. Yeah, he yeah. is super nice and Did you just say Tim smiling. Curry? Tim Curry or Sid Haig? Sid Haig. Yeah. There's only two big name? clown dudes, right? <laughs> he is sure. just as scary without the makeup, um, but honestly, sweetest guy I've ever met. Like, yeah. 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 He's really nice. They talked to the director of uh, Boys Don't Cry, who was like, got an NC-17 and was like, what? Why? And they said it's because when one character goes down and the girl comes up and like rubs her chin, mm-hmm. like that's that's offensive. What? She's like, that's, that's the note I got? That's why it's offensive? They're like, yeah. It's like, there is a brutal rape scene, and one character gets shot right in the head, right on screen. Brains explode all over it. Full realism. And, and you're saying, worried about somebody You're saying I'm getting up. an X-rated movie because someone wipes their chin after going down on a girl. Like, yeah, feel free to resubmit. Wow. Crazy. So this documentary guy, what he does is he hires a private investigator to... Track down uh, who these guys are? To track down who these people are. Ending? Who sits down outside and, like writes down license numbers and tries, calls the, the phone directory, yeah. uh, tries, tracks down these people and, and you know, names them and photographs them and says, these are the people, their children, like the, the, the MPA is lying about who they are. Like, oh, they're all parents of children who are aged five to 17 and their kids are like 22 and 28. Right. <laughs> uh, they only serve from three to seven years. This person's been working here for 12 years. Yeah. Um, they talked to two people who were on it in the 90s, and they're like, we have signed non-disclosure agreements like you wouldn't believe. You can't talk about it now, in the future, ever, anything. And wow. these people are like, we're just, just talking to you. We're going to get in trouble. Crazy. <laughs> wow. Um, and then it goes on, and they, they talk about you know the hypocrisy, uh, the, the bias towards heterosexual yep. versus homosexual scenes. Um, all kinds of really interesting things. And then, like an hour and a half into the movie, the filmmaker sends his first cut in to get a rating. <laughs> <laughs> and it's hysterical because he records their phone conversations as they call back. Yeah. And he's like, so you got an NC-17 for the graphic uh, sexual content you have in the film because he uses cuts of, like, uh, American Psycho. Oh, right, 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 yeah. Yeah, like American Psycho got NC-17 because of the scene where he's having sex and flexing at himself. Oh yeah, because it's rear penetration sex, and they're like, so the scene we drop the chainsaw down the stairs and and the axe saw murder, the prostitute in pieces, <laughs> or the time he like stabs a guy in the chest repeatedly. Yeah. Yeah. That's all good, but he can't can't have do doggy style. Sex. No, yeah. they're like, yeah, well, we, <laughs> we're not artists. We can't tell you how to make movies, but if you want to resubmit for a different rating, feel free. And I just there's there's such pricks about that. Yeah, yeah. So he's talking to them about it, and th- like he's 
obliterated them in this movie. He's yeah. attacked them completely. And they're like, NC-17. He's like, but this is news. Like, this isn't... <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm not making this movie. I'm talking about your decision towards this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, well, feel free. And then he starts getting threatening calls. What? From them. And they're like, we can just shut you down. We can remove your ability to distribute this movie. Well, just think. It's like a gigantic control mechanism for who gets to make movies that are going to actually make it in theaters. Right, and, and it's controlled by the guys who want yeah, to. Yeah, it's like the like, biggest conflict of interest in like ever. Absolutely. And they, they talk to filmmakers. And the filmmakers are like, man, I don't want to say this, but it would be better if it was government controlled. Because at least then there would be public accountability. Yeah, yeah. And... Just the conversations of him talking to them. Like, well, you know, you're doing this to yourself, really. He's like, oh, my goodness. So what specifically would you want me to change? Oh, we don't say that. Yeah. Because uh, you're not being distributed by Paramount. Otherwise, we tell you exactly what you Yeah, yeah. and also because <laughs> you're making a movie directly attacking yeah, yeah, all yeah, of yeah. us and savagely attacking all of them. And then the credits rolled, and it was, like, produced by BBC and Netflix. And I was like, well, that makes... A whole, lot, a whole sense lot more now. sense now. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, so yeah, I, I recommend that regular a lot. distribution, or at yeah. least next to no distribution, because they probably fucking probably rated NC seventeen. Don't yeah. don't watch it with your mom because they do talk a lot of them. They do show a lot of NC seventeen stuff on the right. screen. <laughs> what was it called? I'm totally gonna watch this. Uh, film. Film is not this film rated. is not yet rated. Awesome. Yeah, I've, I've oh, had that. I on, saw that yeah. a few times. And around. they talk to a lot of like Hollywood people. Kevin Smith has a little piece in it where he's talking about Jersey Girl. He's like, I got an R rating because. Liv Tyler says, I masturbate twice a day in Jersey Girl. That's it. They're like, cut it and you can get a PG-13. And I was like, I, no. Wow. <laughs> Not going to do it. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's yeah. ridiculous. And he's, he, in his appeal, he was talking to the woman. He's like, are you telling, like, why is that offensive? And she's like, I wouldn't want my 16-year-old daughter like Your sixteen-year-old daughter masturbates and twice a like, day. You mean to tell me you don't think she knows about masturbation? Like, she does it. I guarantee you. When she's up in a room at night. Yeah. yeah. Well, look, Kevin uh, Kevin Smith's been like outspoken about that on like since yeah. like on the internet for a yeah. long time. Like he was like, there is zero reason why Clerks is a rated R film. Yeah. He's like, it's language. There's only language. Yeah. There's no violence. There's no nudity. He's like, yeah, but the language is kind of the language is yeah. extremely, extremely crass. Vulgar, but he's yeah. like, but there is a guy, a girl who has sex with a dead guy. Yeah, yeah. and then he talked about snowballing off camera, and they, he's like, he's like verbal content. Oh. And yeah. he's like, but he's like, what they're saying is that's as bad as watching a guy's face get exploded. And he's like, I don't think so. He's like, my movie. He's like, I'm not saying my movie should be like watched by children, but he's like, there should be another class yeah. of like, this is just crass language. Because he's like, he's like, I think that like there's, I would let a teenager or whatever watch Clerks because he he knows the language. I wouldn't maybe net let a teenager watch the most grisly, violent movie of all time, but totally. they can both get hit with R. This is just another instance of like putting putting oversight for an industry in the hands of the industry that isn't working out. Yeah. You know, like it, you wouldn't put like like if you had mining companies. Do you really want a bunch of like a consortium of mining companies to get together and be responsible for the public safety oversights for mining or yeah. like the same well, thing? For, like and the other thing he talks about is like where do you go to criticize this because you can't. Yeah. The people that own, you know. Uh, the Warner Brothers films are own Time Warner AOL. Yeah. So, like, you can't... The people that own Disney films own ABC. Like, I'm not going to go on the news on ABC and tell this story and demand... Actually, because they just won't have me. Yeah. You know, News Corp owns one of the biggest studios. You, you just... You can't... There's nowhere to complain about it. They own all the newspapers. They own all the television. There's... There's no way to tell people that this is wrong. Yeah. 
And I was like, yeah, the internet. <laughs> and yep. they're the ones. He's also the guy who runs the MPAA wrote the Digital Piracy Act, uh, the probably digital ties the RIA, the Digital Millennium Copyright Act. Yeah, he like was one of the big lobbyists for this stuff. Yeah, so not only dealing with this rating system, which is all flawed and controlling and evil, but dealing with the media talking about right this system and just owning it and owning it and owning it. It was really really interesting. Um, very. Not not a whole lot of plot going on, but very well, it's expository. A documentary. Yeah. Hey. Very expository. Very cool. Did yeah. you watch any animal documentaries? There's so many good ones. On Netflix? No, I've yeah. been watching. I watched tons and tons of Blue David Attenborough stuff and whatever. Or, yeah. yeah. I watched uh, Don't You Forget About Me, which was about John Hughes and was so so. Uh, Comic Book Confidential, which was made in 1988, which I realized at the end of it. Uh-huh. Like, and then Dark Knight Returns happened and turned everything on its head. Credits. Like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> wow. Yeah. No, I tried watching the one that was uh, Life After Porn or something Batman like that. Batman Returns, not Dark Knight Returns. Dark Knight Returns. 1988? Batman Returns. Oh, Dark Knight Returns. shit. Yeah. yeah, fuck. I was thinking it was Frank like Miller, the movie. Klaus Johnson. Gotcha. Yep. Yeah, I tried to watch the Life After Porn thing and I couldn't do it. Why? I saw it and I was like, it's going to be porn stars and I'm kind of bored by them. I got bored by, I don't know, maybe I got more interested as you got further along but honestly after 20 minutes I was like I'm totally bored yeah gone which I maybe I'm missing out but I, I honestly don't care anymore but yeah it keeps showing up in my recommendations because I watch a lot of porn hey Netflix yo. porn <laughs> <laughs> documentaries I watched uh, what's the one with Steve Hayworth uh, what's it called the body mod one the body mod one was really interesting did you I watch thought. Lemmy I haven't watched Lemmy yet I know you guys keep telling me about it and I keep saying I need to watch it but the book is still fresh in my head. Right. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Okay, you know what? I'm going to watch that while I'm working tonight. That and the other one, that guy in that thing there, or whatever uh, it's called. I'd also recommend Brett versus Sean, Great Rivalries. Okay. Uh, it's a WWE one, but it's cool because it's Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels sitting side by side as they talk about it. Wow. So, so that was an in and out of ring rivalry, right? Yeah. <laughs> and they talk about it. They're like, we got along, and then we stopped getting along. Weird. And then we stopped talking. <laughs> And for decades. <laughs> yeah. well, I started watching The Streak, and I started watching The Greatest Moments thing, which is like a bunch of what the fuck moments. Oh, OMG? Yeah. OMG or whatever? Uh, OMG yeah. is terrible. It really is. I honestly, I, I stopped watching What is OMG? It. It's, they're basically showing like highlights of like really Shocking impacting moments, moments in, in wrestling. Okay. Yeah. It's like, just awful. It's probably the worst wrestling produced video of I've ever seen that's the fact something. that they keep okay. showing the OMG thing like over and over throughout the production there's, there's yeah. no host mm-hmm. there's 50 moments and before every single one a graphic shows up and says OMG number 49 yeah. 1987 but like all hip hop kind of yeah. and then cuts right into the scene wow with no like exposition no or, context yeah. of how the, the, the feud or whatever and, and you're like okay that, that was two minutes <gasps> OMG Yep. Number thirty six. I made Foley. it. I didn't. I didn't make like, it that far. <laughs> I did not make it that far. I think I, I watched like five or six of them, and I was like, mm, done. Yeah. It's, it's the only thing I've been watching on Netflix so far that made me go, man, this is not worth the bandwidth. No, nope. <laughs> totally. I, not. Like, I feel my 
my bill getting higher watching it, and I turned it off. The streak was interesting. I've only watched uh, three of the matches so far, but yeah, I, li- I like it so far. <laughs> it's Undertaker. Watched, yeah, obviously. Yeah. I watched uh, Greatest Cage Matches. Yeah. That's good. That's uh, like the first one is Bob Backlund, Pat Patterson, and that's like like holds up ish like as a as a match, despite the fact that it's like late seventies. Uh, there's like a couple other ones. There's one that makes no fucking sense. It's like uh, Legion of Doom fighting two dudes, but it's a cage match where it's a tag match where they still have to tag and there's a ref in the cage. And I'm like, this cage is useless. <laughs> like you're just have, like the point of a cage match is typically like no referee escape is the only way to win. And this was a cage match where they had to like hold the little rope, they had to hold the little tag rope, and then they had to do the tags. And there was a referee, and they won by pinfall. It's important for me that there's two cage matches in this, and you you saw the whole thing. Uh, I'm missing, I think maybe one or two. Okay, is Hogan versus King Kong Bundy in there? I don't know. WrestleMania two main event. I'm not sure. Uh, that's a good cage match. And is the Brothers of Destruction versus Diamond Dallas Page and Chris Canyon? I haven't there? quite gotten to that. That sounds I'm great. not quite at Attitude Era yet, okay. but I'm, they might and they might save the Hogan Bundy one for later. Okay. Is the vision of Doom uh, pre-Attitude? Way pre-Attitude. Yeah. Way, way, way. Okay, way, I thought way, you were saying... Okay, Brothers, you... Brothers of Destruction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember that, that one's amazing. If you've never seen that match, that match is so good. There was a, there's an Abdullah the Butcher and Bruiser Brody match. <laughs> so much blood. <laughs> so much blood. And it was like, I kind of, like, I was editing a podcast, and it was like, I tuned out, and then like, I tuned back in. <laughs> And the referee was stabbing Abdullah the Butcher with a fork in the head. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what's happening? It's the referee. <laughs> like, it was fucking, you're just like fucking bonkers. Like, uh, there was, um, the, the DDP match is so good because Diamond Dallas Page had been torturing The Undertaker. Yeah, yeah. Like stalking his wife and being really extra creepy and like damaging to his career how creepy he got and then they just let they just let Ken go yeah right? the way to win the tag match is both members of the team have to escape so halfway through the match Diamond Dallas Page partner Canyon climbs to the top of the rope and Kane grabs him and Undertaker's like no no just let him go <laughs> so Canyon hops out and lands and looks back at the ring and Undertaker and Kane look down at Diamond Dallas Page he's just oh man oh <laughs> That's a two-on-one in a cage. <laughs> it's a two-on-one in a cage. They just beat the tar out of him. But it was such a good, like, story moment. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Really well booked. And if you know, like, how that was planned out, it's, it's yeah, like... What's that one oh, called? Yeah, Is it called well. Best Cage Match? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A lot of fun. There was a, a Flair versus Luger match early... I love early, early 90s. Okay. Which is... First of all, there's like there's, like, two or three things that are, like, completely amazing. It's one that, like, the cage is bonkers... Like, it's, like, ten times bigger than a cage needs to be. It's, like, there's, like, ten feet between the cage and the ring. Like, it's, like, easily twice as big as a Hell in the Cell. Like, just for no fucking reason that you have a cage this big. Uh, Flare blades instantly. <laughs> like, just, like, right off the get-go, Flare's just gushing blood all over the place. Wow. Um, third, Flare's still generating actual heat. So there's chops with no woos, which is just, like, Strange, because for like the past like fifteen to twenty years of like every time someone gets a chop, there's a woo the whole crowd. Right. Like it's just like no, nothing. He doesn't even say woo. It's just like chops and quietness, and you're like, uh. what's happening? And then finally, the the horsemen manage to like get control of the cage and like raise the cage a little so the horsemen can jump in. But there's no rules in a cage, so now it's like Luger versus the horsemen, and then like Sting manages to do the same thing. And then finally, at the end of it. 
Flair is out of his fucking mind. Just starts like yelling and screaming into the microphone and like just gibberish. Just like, world champion. And you see legitimate concern on the eyes of like Arn Anderson, just trying to take him by the arm and like take him away because Flair is just fucking out of his fucking mind. And like you see, like um, it was when Sid uh, Sid Vicious was a horseman. It was it was Arn, okay. Ole, Sid, and. Uh, Flair. And Flair were the horsemen, which I was like, I don't even know when this happened. And that fourth horseman never got. <laughs> never got. Oli? Yeah. Really? Not even uh, Tully? Not even Tully, yeah. Uh, weird. It's just super weird. It's anyway, like, Sid's all like, yeah, like behind Flair. And you see Arn like, looks like legitimately concerned for his friend who's losing <laughs> his fucking mind on camera. It's good times. I think uh, we need to wrap, guys, if unless there's anything really... Just one more, one more. One more, one more, one more. Just, I watched Rise and Fall of the WCW. Was that good? No, no. It was really just half of the Monday Night Wars DVD. Yeah, it was like it was, that was exactly what. Watch it was. Monday Night Wars instead. Yeah, you get both sides of the story. That's it. So wrapping up, what do we have coming up for the site? I'm still working on stuff and things. Woo! It's still no fake sperm. No fake sperm? No. Have you have not even... got the formula? I, I do not have the formula. <laughs> so many failures. <laughs> just, just don't, don't to, go in I my I meant to say place. earlier that we're just all like covered in goo. Just stay out of my kitchen. <laughs> oh, there's so many Tupperwares in your fridge. <laughs> so many consistencies. Well, hey, waste not, want not. <laughs> Fantasia's happening real soon. Like a month from now. There's yeah. going to be like three 90Ss between now and then. Well, I'm excited for that. <laughs> I'm also excited for that. I used to go to Fantasia all the time before I went to Toronto. Yeah, I loved time. it. It was great. We're going to try to get to as many Fantasia shows as we Plus, can. Plus, doesn't Udo Kier always show up for Fantasia? Doesn't no. he always have like 12 movies in a festival? Yeah, but he doesn't always show up. Was it last year or the year some. before I saw him at the bar? Uh, I think it was last. No, it was the year before because you texted me when I was in Toronto. Yep. And I was like, no, I'm fine. Nudo. Nudo. No, that just sounds wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Whoop. Whoa. Lola tripping on things. Okay, we're good. Uh, Scott, anything? Kanye gnomes. They're, they're, they're done. They're scheduled to come out every couple weeks. Woo! That's part three of Team of Horrors that John and I have been working on. I'm working on part three. Yeah? Yeah. yeah we have to finish that actual game. Yeah. Yeah, you guys have to go have the final exciting encounter. Or we just die. You guys ha- have to bring a camera to those sessions so you can put I some, still want to be there. Make some sure pain there and torment up to that. Yeah, I don't article. know when the fuck we're going to have time to fucking finish that shit. It'll be have to be after I get back. Yeah, but also I work four to midnight. Mm-hmm. We can do stuff do after the midnight. Oh, I don't even. And then I fuck yeah, yeah, it works great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can't even devote weekends. Uh, yeah, that's it for ninety s. Thanks Bye, for everybody. tuning in, folks. Look, if you're a fan of the show and uh, the site in general, uh, please take the time to like us on Facebook. We are number nine T O 
9to5.dotcc, 9to5.cc on Facebook. And uh, also follow us on Twitter. We're at sign number 9to number 5cc on Twitter. So, uh, And also be sure to check back on the site for something on Mondays, probably. Uh, we have Zombies and Loathing After the Bomb usually on Tuesdays. We have a new comic in 9to5 Illustrated every Wednesday. A new podcast every week, usually on Thursday. It's either going to be a 9ES or a Go Plug Yourselves. And on Fridays we have Fine Arts with either Sophie and Scott. And, uh, you know, maybe John will even uh, contribute one of his mega articles at some point, too. You can only hope. Alright, thanks. 9to5.cc We're not working. Why should you? Thanks for listening.